With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful day, week, month, whatever. Um, we're on the podcast again. And this week I have the one and only Joanna Barber. Um, Joe is my agent in the UK and Europe. Uh, she's great. I've worked with her. Uh, just over a, a year, maybe nearly two years coming up. Obviously, we've had COVID in between hand, so that kind of sucks for everyone. But I love Jo. Uh, she's, we kind of got working together um, and we the first time we met was in Berlin, um, which is where she lives, and just like got an amazing vibe from her. She's great. Met her husband, Neil, who's an amazing producer as well. And yeah, we just got on really well. Uh, and I, I really wanted to get her on the podcast and I've wanted to get her on the podcast for a while, but it kind of felt right when the clubs are start opening up, um, especially in the UK and Europe as well. Um, so, yeah, we got her on and had a great conversation. She's amazing. She's doing some amazing things as well outside of being an agent um, for the industry with mental health, addiction. Uh, and also she's become a personal trainer as well and just doing loads of things. And I, I love just having people around me that are better in always constantly trying to better their lives and she's killing it at the moment. So without further ado, Joanna Barber, we're live. Joanna, how's it going, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good. Back to the, back to the America. I can't hear myself for some reason. Oh, no. I know, it's weird. Um, and where are you in Detroit? I'm in Detroit, in the hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. It's um, it's actually hot as fuck at the moment over Is here. It? Yeah. As in, what what sort of temperature are we talking? Like 30, 32 degrees. Dream, oh, dream. Do you like do you like the hot weather? <laughs> no, I hate it. Oh, it's because of the beard. I it's just, like you get sweaty in a beard. I think I was like made to live in like Iceland or Sweden or somewhere just really fucking cold. Because mm. when it snows here, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I am the exact opposite. Yeah, like, I, I was destined to live in like the Middle East. And considering I am literally the palest person in the world who burns quicker than anyone. And I was like, I, I am literally like, give me 40 degree heat and let me lie in the sun all day. But obviously when I do that, I just damage my skin do massively. You, but do you I like just, the burn? I do. I oh, do love the burn. I love the burn. That. Like I even like... You think I would have grown out of this? Sorry, my cat is scrapped. No, try not to do this while I'm on this. Thank you. Um, um, you would have thought that I would have grown out of fake tanning, but I still fake tan because I just love a tan. And it's like, Joanna, like I'm 38. You know, like, <laughs> just get over it. You're pale. Come to terms with the, with the fact you're never going to be a bronzed, you know, like Greek Adonis, Adonis or whatever. The, yeah, so it's just like, just embrace the paleness, but I can't. I just love a tan. I want to talk about fake tan. We can talk about fake tan. Why the fuck I mean, does it smell of feet? Well, like okay, and, so and before before we stop, I've got to, I'm talking for every male out here right now. <laughs> There's every single girl is like, I have a new fake tan that doesn't smell bad. They all smell terrible. 
They all smell bad. They might come with like a hint of coconut underneath the smell of sea and biscuits. Biscuits, yes, it is. Yeah. It is biscuits. Yeah. It's like digestive biscuits. If I mean, if you're not uh, from the UK, I mean, digestive biscuits, do they have them anywhere else? Don't really just think the, so. uh, just the, the driest, shittest biscuits in the world. And I could literally go through an entire packet. Yeah, you can nail them so all day long. Yeah. And are they sweet or are they savory? They're mm. both. Because you have mm. have them with cheese as well. You can have them with cheese. I, but I would literally just eat Dunkin' tea, eat Dunkin' tea, eat like one by one. But anyway, fake tan. So we have to schedule in my fake tannins with when we're changing like the bed sheets. And I'm like, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> because it covers the bed sheets. And the best time to do it is before you go to bed, obviously. Um, and I also uh, get my husband involved. And he is now the best fake tanner ever. He like does fills in all the bits. I just stand there like this naked, just spinning around while he fills in all the white bits. <laughs> and um but we have to like it has to be on a schedule um because it stinks so badly but he's woken up with like a fake tan like across his stomach before where oh, i've like no. laid on him and he's like got a massive like strip of brown and orange. Like, it's not brown though is it let's be honest it's orange well no my fake tan's good i use bondi sand <laughs> See, there we like, go there we go we had it my fake tan's the best <laughs> it is the best it is the best i have actually tried a few others since being in berlin because my one's quite hard to get here, and they're just not as good. No, no. Berlin no. is but like anyway, a pale, I, though. I love a fake tan, and you probably wouldn't even notice if you met me because I'm actually so pale that even the fake tan doesn't even look like I'm tanned. <laughs> and I come back from holidays paler than when but, I wear because yeah. I fake tan when I go. And when we were on honeymoon for two weeks, I fake tan while I was in India. <laughs> I was like, "You're gonna have to leave. I just need to stand here for like an hour with my fake tan." And my husband was like, "Why don't you just go on the beach outside?" Yeah. I was like, "It doesn't work." Yeah, I um, anyway. I was in Mexico uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I got sunstroke because I mm. I I'm not a fan of sitting in the sun. But I was like, "Okay, well, like, have some time out, put some sun cream on, go sit in the sun for like an hour or two. And I never put sun cream on my legs because my legs are so hairy. So I'm like, they never catch the sun, ever, ever. Schoolboy era. Schoolboy era. Like, they were red as fuck. I bet they were. Yeah. They I were. bet they were. Your poor skin. I know. They were bad. Um, and it was rough. <laughs> I bet it was. Like, I, you literally can't do anything when you're sunburned. Like, no. putting on a pair of jeans, it's a no. Ugh. Like, 100% no. I've been really badly sunburned before, and even getting on a flight, and I'm like, oh, the when you put your, put your um, suntan, I bet everyone's going to love this conversation, aren't they? We're like, oh, bore it off with your suntan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've burned the, the underneath my bum before, because you just don't oh, rub no. it in properly. And sitting down, like trying to sit in a restaurant, I'm like, oh. And you just got to go through it, don't you? You there's nothing you can do. Yeah, lots of moisturizer. But so my my husband went to Mexico in April. Yeah, played some gigs, and uh, he I I gave him some after sun before he left. I was like, use that after sun while you're away. Came back and I was like, you are so brown. Like this is a brown I've never seen on you before. Like you're so deep brown. He was like, yeah, yeah, man, I've got such a good tan. And then, and then I looked at his hands. I was like, mate, let me see you that after sun. So I took the after sun. It was like I had, had a hint of fake tan in oh, it. No. And he'd be like flapping it on. And so he was like proper streaky on his legs, all in between his fingers, like completely brown. And he'd been putting it on lows towards the end of the day where he'd been getting more in the sun. And 
he literally came back and he did have the deepest tan you've ever seen because he had been fake tan and inadvertently while he's been there. And it was just so streaky. And I was like, oh, I need you to give you some more lessons on how to do this. <laughs> do you do <laughs> like fake tan nights where you fake tan each other now? And you just oh, like... he wouldn't let me fake tan in. And, and annoyingly, he goes really brown. He? He's got like, a, he's got like a permatan. It's not fair. Yeah. But he claims he's got like some Spanish heritage, but I don't know if that's true. I mean, you've met him. He doesn't look that Spanish. He's a scouser. He's a scouse. So, There's not much Spanish in scouse, let's be honest. No, no. How's life anyway? Uh, good. Testing at times, Will, mm. for sure. I know that, obviously, well, people that don't know, I am your agent in yeah. the, in Europe. <laughs> and uh, it's been a weird year, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and I was actually obviously thinking about this podcast before we recorded it and like what I'd say and like, has it been a bad year? No, for sure. It's not been a bad year. Has it been a year, an unexpected year? Yes. Yeah. And has it just been a lot of like pivoting and a lot of like adapting and resilience and stuff? Yes. Um, but right now today, I'm very good, obviously pleased to be here, honoured to be asked to do this. Um, Thanks for coming but Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. But how are you? Because you're about playing gigs and I want to hear how they are. I've got questions for you on this podcast. Yeah, ask away. No, life's, life's great. Um, it's kind of the same to what you were saying, really. Like, for me, lockdown was actually pretty amazing. Like, I got to spend time with my family that I hadn't spent that, I haven't spent that long in in the UK with my family for like six, seven years. So like And you need back like just as it all kicked off. Like the pandemic like, kicked yeah. off. You really, and was that um because we were obviously planning like a, an EU tour anyway. Mm, so you were gonna yeah. come back for a bit. But was it always your plan just to like come back and just stay there for as long as you as you needed to lock down or just to be with your parents or your family? Yeah, literally. I was like, like, yeah, we we had a show in Arizona, which was my last show of the tour, which was March the 14th. And then Ryan, as I was getting on the plane to go there, Ryan, my manager, for anyone that doesn't know, um, called and was like, mate, Trump's closing the borders on Monday. You best get a flight out on Sunday after your show and Mm -hmm. lock down there. So... Yeah, I didn't want to be locked down in the in America, really. But I could, I didn't, we didn't know. So I could have just flown back whenever. I just didn't know kind of how mm-hmm. how it would have panned out. But I was no, lucky. Kind of ask, why didn't you want to lock down in America? Because obviously that's where you've been living for such a long time. Mm. Like that's where like your base is and stuff. But is it like, I mean, you tell me. There's no problem guessing. I, I, yeah, I just wanted to be back home. I love it. Okay. I love it back in the UK, really. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I I love living in America. Um Detroit is like I have this like love hate relationship with Detroit. Same as me for Berlin. Yeah, it's and it's like it's not it as much as it is my home, it's not home. Mm-hmm. Um and it never will be. I, nowhere ever will be, if that makes sense. Um unless it was like New York maybe, because I just love New York. But it's still I don't know, you I, I don't know how you feel because obviously you've you're from the UK and being locked down in Berlin and being kind of away from family and things like that and friends. I don't know how, how you felt about it, but I think being back home was just like important for me. Hmm. You know what? I think if I didn't have Neil, 
yeah. it pro- I probably would have been. But um, we're really tight, you know, like uh, we're a very close couple, we're really good friends. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, I didn't feel it was so bad. And like, do you know what? I feel because as well, I moved over here. Um, it's not as though I've been going to an office every day to work. Mm. Like I quite work on my own anyway, quite yeah. quite a lot of work on my own anyway. Like I work from home or go to my co-working space. It wasn't like I was surrounded by a team every day. So in terms of like that, mm. it didn't really change. Yeah. And I'd gone, like when I moved to Berlin, like I'm not great at making friends at all. Um, Neil's amazing. That at surprises friends, me. Oh uh, no, I'm just very cautious and uh, I can get really shy actually, really, really okay. shy. Um, and I've made some really shockingly bad friends in the past, <laughs> which have, I've just been like, why have I been friends with you? You're rubbish. Yeah. Um, and, um, lots of people think I'm really rude when they first meet me, uh, because I just sort of like get really quiet, don't know what to say. And even my friends in Berlin, they've just been like, yeah, I didn't know what to make of you because Neil's so outgoing and so lovely. Yeah. And I'm just standing there like, Hi, yeah. Like, Mommy Mark was like, oh, I don't trust you, I don't trust you. Whereas Neil's like, I trust you, let's be friends immediately. Yeah. Um, so I'd kind of, like, we have friends over here. Like, we have some amazing friends, but it's not like I've got a massive yeah. friendship group. Like, my big close friendship group is back in the UK. Mm. So I was already, like, in remote contact with them anyway. Yeah. You know, so... So the, it didn't make any difference whether I was locked down here. I, yeah, and I wouldn't have gone back to the UK because I just, I, I don't know, I have Neil, I have my house here, this way I feel safe. We've also got two cats. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, it wasn't it wasn't so bad. Uh, to be honest, like when lockdown first got announced, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I get to have a break. I was like, oh, because I just joined NGE, um, who have been amazing throughout this entire thing, entire pandemic. Um, and I knew that I had a year of absolute hard graft ahead of me, yeah. like proving myself. I had targets that I made for myself, targets for the company. I was like, this is how much money I want to earn this year. For make this much money for me, this means I have to make this much money for my artist. Yeah. And I am going to go. And I was. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. And then when it was like, oh, we can't work. I was like, oh, what do you mean? I get to have a lion every day. <laughs> yeah. And was like, I get guilt-free days off. Thinking it was only going to last like mm. a month max, yeah. you know, we'll be back at work by May. Yeah. If you told me then that it would be like almost 18 months later and we're still not back at full capacity mm. or in fact nowhere near it, I would have probably panicked. But yeah. at the time I was like, oh, I could take a couple of months off. Go on then, like, that's okay. Like I'm all right financially, I can afford it and I would love to do it. And I kept saying to myself, I'd like the world just to stop for a bit so I can like get organized and get my shit together. So then I can start at NGE, but yeah, so I've um, I've said it a lot during yeah. it, during COVID and coming back from COVID. I think like for a lot of people, it was probably the best thing that happened to us. Obviously, like mm-hmm. taking away all of the deaths and everything like that. But mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I think it's actually if everyone's fit and healthy, I think it's probably the best thing that's happened for people, even if they've had struggles financially, mentally, and everything like that. I think it's a time where everyone just could reflect on life mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if it helped you for sure I mean you probably know what I've been up to over lockdown I don't know I've, I've told you anyway but um but I've done so much like I feel like I've grown so much I feel like I've learned so much not just about myself but about actual things as well like I'm surrounded by books that I'm reading right now yeah. and I'm just like so into learning um 
Yeah, and there has been some real growth. And I do think there's been like struggles for sure. Like, don't get me wrong, I've sat on my bed and cried hard. Yeah. Um, and it's been like testing, you know, so, you know, as you know, Will, when you're working all your, well, I've been working eight years now and you probably working way longer um, towards your career, but, and to one day it just comes to a, a halt and you don't quite know what the future holds. Like it is scary. Yeah. Um, but then you can either go one way and be like, this is fucking so scary and I don't know what to do and just not get out of bed and not, not do anything. Or you can go the other way and say, yeah, this is scary, but it's also an opportunity. Yeah. Maybe to do all the things that I've wanted to do um like will you like you know from what i see what i know in fact with you and uh your gigs that you're playing and stuff like the the break has actually done you yeah. a world of good in terms of like your career where you wanted to go with your music and Massively. like wait yeah so you know like would i want to do 2020 again or i don't know but would i want to take away what i've learned like no yeah like 100%. that's that's the thing isn't it it's like it's that catch 22 i think it's so important breaks are so mm. important and i've never i've never actually been a person to take breaks personally um no. like i'm not a okay. i'm not a holiday person i'm not somebody that would like the last time i went on holiday for longer than 4 days was probably when i was 15 with my parents like i'm just, and that's so typical of a dj yeah. like they just you know like I always say with my my husband, like I am I'm the other woman in the relationship. Like his studio, his music, his everything comes first, and I'm just the affair that he has on the side. <laughs> like it's his first love, and it's true. It is so true. How is that though? How is that? Sorry to butt in, but how is that being in a in a relationship with with somebody that is like that? Because like I uh, I've I've always been that person. I've never been on the receiving side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie, Will, at times it is really hard and we have fallen out hard. Like we, I've now convinced him after 10 years that if he can come home three nights a week before 9pm, then I'm happy with it, you know? And so, and when I was in London, it was like, he would come in like 11pm midnight and I was getting up at 7am to go to work. So we were like ships in the night. And as we've got older, you know, more and more boundaries have come up. Like you have to make time for us. When I was younger, I was just like, oh, I just love you so much. Do whatever you want. And as I've got older, I'm like, no, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. You will make time in your life. Um, but at the same time, would I want him to change? Would I want him to be, um, you know, any less ambitious or any mm. less driven or any less talented? Like the pandemic for him as well, because yes, he DJs, DJs, but it's not his main job. He's also an engineer and he works yeah. with lots of people. Um, and he, in the beginning, he was like, oh, I'm just going to take all, all the work I can because it's, it's definitely going to stop. And he's had a, the best year he's ever had of his yeah, career. Like people booking him out like two months in advance for like a week at a time. Mm. We're like, I just need you, like name your price. And I'm like, come on, love. Maybe, <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll come be a lady. Yeah, give one. up. <laughs> um, but, um, but I would I want to take that away from him. Like that drive and ambition, like 100% no, you know. And to, for me to say, it's either me or the music. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be walking out that door, not the music, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it's part of him, even if it's hard to understand but obviously me doing what I do as an agent makes it a lot easier for me to be empathetic towards what he does I guess you get it yeah I do I do get it but we did I wasn't I wasn't an agent when we met what were you I well I was clinging on with to dear life with dear life to a job in advertising okay Um, I sold advertising space and I'll be honest, like I was all right at it, but I was getting, I got fired from every job I ever had. 
by my recruitment agent he loved me because he made so much money off me because he just kept putting me in more roles like yeah go for this one go for this one and like always giving me amazing references and I'll be in the job about a year and they'll be like do you know what Joe? you just keep calling in sick on a Monday turning up for work late no and I'll be like oh, yeah I was out at the weekend <laughs> and it was literally like my raving was the priority in my life yeah. so when I met Neil and he I remember I stayed at his house once and he was like going to work and this is when he worked with Chris Lake mm. and he was he was like yeah I'm going to work and I was like oh poor you and he was like why I was like well don't you hate your job he's like no I was like you don't hate your job <laughs> he's like no I quite like my job and I was like that's weird and I was like I just actually couldn't believe that someone loved their job so much they would go to their go to work between Christmas and New Year out of choice. Yeah. I was like, this is so strange. And it just got me thinking, like, maybe I should do something that I've actually got an interest in. And at that time, the only thing I had an interest in was raving. So I was mm. like, I know, where do I want to get a job as an agent? And yeah. I can just rave for a living. Um, which I kind of did, but it does obviously change the whole dynamic of going to rave. Like before it was like go to rave, take a couple of pills and sniff whatever, <laughs> get really shit faced. And then suddenly I was like, Oh yeah, I could do all of that, but I don't want to be that state. Yeah. I don't want to be like as wrecked as I used to get on the dance floor. I mean, slowly that did creep in a little bit as I got older, but not anymore. <laughs> now I'm just now yeah. you're like, are you fully sober now? Uh, not quite. I do have the odd, the odd night out. Like I had a couple of beers in Lisbon actually yeah. when I went on holiday, um, which I've never really enjoyed. Like I just get it, and then I'm like, no, I don't want to bother. And yeah, maybe like a handful of times. Like I had a couple of things at Christmas. That's My brother cool. got married last year. I had a, I had a glass of wine yeah. and a glass of champagne. But um, but it's just not something that I particularly enjoy doing. I, just, I used to love feeling like fucked and out of control yeah. and just like, yeah, just forget all my worries. Like, yeah, brilliant. Let's just go and get trashed. Spend my money on getting fucked. And now I'm like, I literally can't imagine anything worse. I was like, why would I want to spend my money on that? Yeah. Like, why? Like my, I work hard for my money. Like why would I spend my time? My time is so precious. I'm never going to get this back. Like why would I want to give 20 hours to Burkheim every weekend? Like, <laughs> which it was. What was the transition though? What, what, what changed it? Um, so we've been in Berlin a year and it was getting to the point, we were out a lot. Like, and I, when the people asked me like, oh, why did you move to Berlin? I was like, oh, because London, you know, it's so expensive. And like, yeah. no, th this is all a lie. I just wanted to rave really hard and not go to work on a Monday. I wanted to design my own life so I could just do whatever I wanted yeah. without getting told off and getting in trouble. Mm. So I moved away from the city where my job was and they were like, yeah, you can work remotely. I was like, great, perfect. Um, and I, get, I guess it kind of works because I did get to design my own life. And I, I like when I work, I work really, really hard, but I just didn't want to work Mondays. Um, uh, so we were out every weekend and um, I have always had like a few bat battles with my mental health um, from like quite a young age. And we'd moved to a new city. I was out all the time, um, taking a lot of drugs, basically like out a lot, like lots of sleep deprivation, I'm struggling to find my feet in this city as well. Berlin's quite a hard city to integrate into. Yeah. Germans, if anyone's watching, I love you, but I also hate you at the same time. Like you're so hard to get along with. And and definitely as a, I don't know, like just as a as a foreigner in the city, then they're, they're not particularly welcoming. Although I have some great German friends. Mm. Um, but yeah, like people are just 
people are just grumpy. It's a very know? harsh it's city, isn't it? It's a very harsh yeah, city. It's, it's stuck in the 90s. And when you move from the convenience of London, yeah. where everything's so easy, and you come over here and like you can't even pay with your bank card, and you're like, yeah. oh. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna take this type of bank card, or you have to get cash. And I'm like, oh, go to the cash point. Oh, it cost me five pounds to get my uh, five euros to get my twenty euros out. It's like, yeah. it's so frustrating. Like, why can't it just be easier? Um, so anyway, we were raving every weekend, and it got to the point where I was getting home from nights out, and I was actually bursting into tears, and I couldn't really work out why. And I was like, this is really weird. And um, and then I started getting really ill, like physically ill. Mm. Um, I got, had various ailments, which I couldn't get rid of. And I was in Bergheim once, like in the corner of Panorama, but like crouched over, had such a bad stomachache, just like, oh, that's fine. I'll just take the more caffeine. I'll be better with it. And like- Always helps. Oh, I mean, it, it did the job. It did the job. It's definitely a pain reliever, but obviously it doesn't actually fix me. So, and it just got to the point, I was just like, what am I doing? Like, what am I actually doing? Like- I'm consistently not showing up as my best self, like day to day, like almost every day. Like I'm struggling in so many areas of my life. Like the only thing that's not struggling is my social life. That was like amazing. And I just said to myself, like enough is enough. Like you've been battling with your mental health for years. And I'd never really acknowledged that it was the amount of drugs and alcohol that I'd been consuming, considering I've been doing it since I was 20. I'm now 38. But this was four years ago. So 14 years of a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, like, I can't speak for Neil, like, I wouldn't want to say anything, put words in his mouth or put actions in his life or anything. But I partied really hard, mm. like, and I was definitely known as like a hard partier. Um, and uh, yeah, I just said enough is enough. Why didn't you just take a break and see what happens? And uh, so I did. And it literally changed my life. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. and then when I started drinking, and uh, taking drugs again, it was like, oh my God, how can I go back to that life? Mm, like, I can't. Yeah. Like, now I've seen the magic of the other side and now I've seen how wonderful my life can be and how easy my life can be. And I always used to wonder, I was like, how can people go on nice holidays? How can people buy houses? Like, how can people afford to get married? And then I worked out that I was probably spending a thousand euros on getting fucked every weekend. Yeah. Uh, every weekend, no, that's, that's not that much. <laughs> every month. Every month, every yeah. month, yeah. And I was like wow so yeah this is how people afford yeah stuff you know i'm i'm spending a lot of cash and then when you sit down and you work out how much that is like over 14 years you're like oh, oh my god that's a house yeah. <laughs> um yeah and and every holiday i was never going to i was like just go to ibiza go to a festival mm. you know there was never like the first holiday i took it was a relaxing holiday was my holiday to india with my husband yeah. like every other holiday i've ever taken is ibiza and just getting wrecked and getting on it, which is just ridiculous. And that's that's like insanely expensive a lot you know, on its own. Just go in there, yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so once I'd realized that how wonderful life is sober, which sounds ridiculous because I was like, I just wanted to be the biggest rebel ever. Yeah. Like part of the attraction of drugs and alcohol for me was that I was badass and that I would piss off my parents. And I was like, yes. Even when I was 20, I was like, yeah, fuck you, mum and dad. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm up to. Really. I'm so cool. And being one of the cool kids, like I just wanted to be cool. Yeah. And like, I just hang out with all the cool kids and just do the rebellious things and stay up all night. Do all the things you weren't allowed to do as a kid, like be mm. really naughty and stay up. Yeah, stay up. And Were your parents yeah. strict? 
Um, yeah, they were quite strict, actually. Like, I remember when I was like 15 and I said to my mum and dad, can I shave my legs? And they were like, no, you absolutely cannot, <laughs> which I actually end up doing anyway. But already at 15, you know, like I wasn't shaving my legs. Like, I was quite sheltered. Like I went to a primary school with just 30 people yeah. in a little village, like in Hertfordshire. Mm. Like I was very sheltered. Like, um, and then I went to the same school that my grandfather went to, like secondary oh, school. Wow. Yeah. Kilts and blazers and shirts and ties. And I was only the second year of girls and it was very strict no makeup no earrings yeah. um so yeah very quite strict upbringing and i i mean in terms of what i could have done i was probably a very tame teenager i'm always like i was wild i, I really wasn't i was a bit of a loser to be honest yeah but when i discovered drugs and alcohol i was like yeah fucking badass mate Rave on. <laughs> yeah yeah so, so why why did you choose to be was the agent thing just to be part of the industry because like as as you know and I know, like being an agent is fucking stressful. Like personally, like I was talking to Ryan about this because obviously he used to be a ro- agent. I was like, dude, I think I think American agenting is a bit different to UK and Europe, maybe just because it's more corporate in America and it's more like you have to do this, blah blah blah. But it's just, I can imagine it's probably the same in UK and Europe, but it's fucking stressful. Hmm. Yeah, do you know what? I didn't I didn't actually go into the agent world with any knowledge of what it was like mm. at all in any way. I actually just um I was working at Spotify in the customer service. I thought that was my in to the music industry, working yeah. in customer service for Spotify. Like the only thing that was in was a boring job that I had to deal with people's like tech issues, like have you tried uninstalling the app and reinstalling oh, it? That no. was basically like, yeah. Um so I just applied for loads of um intern places while I was working at Spotify. And um, then this guy messaged me back called Danny and he did all the mix mag parties yeah. and he did like the, uh, what did he do? Speed bugs night. I can't remember what that was called. Poker flat parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, various other, he's a promoter. I don't even really know what a promoter was to be honest with you, Will. Um, and then, um, so I just, I just said, yeah, I'll come and help you. Like I just keen to be, yeah to be part of the industry and like my first job was picking up Richie Horton from the airport I was like are you fucking kidding me I was like I had to take Neil with me because I was like what do I do when I get there and he's like well you go up to him and say hi Richie I'm here to pick you up I was like well, I can't do that oh god I was so scared like so scared and I still didn't talk to him I still made Neil go and talk to him I was like oh no um but um but I did we did like some amazing parties and then he said to me I'm going to start an agency like would you like to be part of it and I was like yes please um but I actually had no idea what I was doing mm. but no idea whatsoever the first tour I did was for climbers okay. I don't know if you know them, the no, Mexican so, yeah I mean um fortunately Kiko's not with us anymore but Jay is um but um they were my first tour and like to I mean talk about like going in the deep end like these two guys had never even left um Mexicali where they lived they'd only just got passports to come on this trip they literally had no idea what they were doing like I didn't know I had to get them visas I didn't know where they were going to stay like I picked them up from the airport they ended up staying at my house for a while oh, like amazing. I literally uh, they were like ringing me in the middle of the night being like oh hi we can't get into our hotel I'll be like it's fine I'll just get out of bed and come and collect you <laughs> and then I'll go stay at my mate's house while you stay in my bed in the flat that I share with my friend like I had literally no idea. Like booking them shows for like four hundred pounds when these two guys come in from Mexico. It's like I don't think it's going to be profitable. This tour, like, yeah, um, oh, that's so good. Yeah, but really good way of like learning, like what not to do, basically. Yeah. 
yeah yeah yeah. and then I went to after a while uh another agency approached me and said do you want to come work for us and it was not me running the entire thing and I was like yes please Mm. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing on my own like I didn't know how to chase money I did honestly I, I had no idea but um but good a good way to learn is to just like throw yourself in and hope for the best sink or swim and I I think I I think I remained afloat, but I don't think I swam, but remained afloat. <laughs> well, you're doing all right now, let's be honest. Yes, NG is amazing. NG is uh, my uh, dream, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. And the whole pandemic has proved to me, like, how amazing they are as an agency. Like, uh, the team's amazing. And I barely know them, you know, like, mm. because you I'd only been, been there a month. Yeah. I've been to the office three times. Once was for a chat with Will, who owns it. And to discuss about me working there and twice more was to sit in the office with the guys, but they've all been there for a long time. And that yeah. just says everything about a company when you retain your staff um, and everyone loves it. Everyone just loves each other. They get on. I, I feel like I've walked into like a really big group of friends and that I'm really like, oh, you want to be friends with me? Okay, <laughs> It's really, really, really nice. And it's run like clockwork. Um, it's efficient. Everybody's on it. Everybody's lovely and polite and nice and does their job really well yeah. um so yeah we're very lucky i'd just like to get started properly 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 i mean we are obviously working now um but it's still very much like um you just don't know what's going to happen around the corner you know you can only do do as much but um that's the thing that worries me at this moment in time is that it's still mm. so we don't know like mm. i'm waiting for things to start locking down again if i'm honest and i really yeah. don't want it to but mm. like, I don't yeah. know. I think the UK will be back in lockdown by the end of August. Like I was just uh, chatting to somebody about some shows in October and I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I don't, and like, obviously being part of the nightlife industry, I feel like we have already been a bit victimized. I feel like they don't really give a shit about us. Mm. Like we are, you know, we're the kids, you know, we, we're the ones that just have fun. Like it's not serious. Like it's not... And I feel like we are going to get blamed for it. Like not the Euros, you know, not the not Silverstone with the F1. Like it'll be the nightclubs. I think. I think. Like I, I yeah, I I agree with you, but I also understand why. Like, mm. and I don't. I don't mean to like diminish the industry that that we're in, but it's so small in the grand scheme of things. And I think, sure. and for it's sure. so important to all of us. Like it's hard to kind of sit back and look at the bigger picture and Mm -hmm. the importance it is to younger people or to everyone that goes that's part of it is so important but Mm. in the grand scheme of life it in it as a financial income for the 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 country the world is fucking tiny so it's like the easiest thing to get rid of and I know people are going to hate me for saying this, but it's just true. <laughs> it's like I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. It's small, and it's uh, and it's and it's entertainment. You know, exactly. it's not a necessity. It's yeah. uh, it's not an essential part of life, even though we can all say it is. Uh, but I think when you're in it as well, because we just live and breathe it. Yeah. You know, because it just because it's an all, all whole consuming, like all consuming way of living like we don't do what we do nine to five like we do we do 24 7 and it doesn't let up and we work all week and whether it's making music or getting people gigs and then we go and we work at the weekend um and because we because it all consuming for us 
like we don't get for other people that it doesn't even register on their totally. on, in their life, you know. Um, so, and I said, you know, I think there's no other way to be in this industry or in any industry that's creative mm. is you either jump feet, jump in feet first, and you just go for it, or you don't. Like, there's no like, oh, it, I just work nine to five, you know. I, it, it just doesn't happen like this, it, and and it can't. No, you um, can't. You can't. Yeah, it's, but we didn't. But yeah. I think I think the reason why we we can't is because we love it, right? And yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's part of us, for sure. And so I think 90% it, of the population actually fucking hate their job. And I think so as well. Yeah. I mean, so many of my friends, how the pandemic has shown them actually what their job is, because once they're out of the work environment, as an office environment, with their office mates, going out for nice lunches, mm. they suddenly realise that their job is just this. Yeah. You know, like, whatever it is, whether it's like, I don't know, whatever they do, and they're like, oh, actually, I, I don't actually really like my job. Like, yeah. I was just sort of doing it. Whereas I think all of us, unless we loved it, unless it lit something up inside of us, we wouldn't do what we do because it can be stressful and it can be, uh, you know, whether for me being stressful, like dealing with promoters and issues and there's like trying to get things confirmed, things change. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) You have to say it. Come on. We're fucking divas. Um, (laughs) But, but then for you, you know, like the traveling, the stress on your body, like the lack of being able to like hang out with your mates, the, you know, there's literally switching around of your life to make it work with Mm. what you do. You can't not love it yeah. because you have to miss out on pretty much every birthday celebration that goes on throughout the year. Yeah. Like your mum says, oh, I think I'm going to have a nice Sunday lunch dinner on this day. And you're like, yeah, cool. And then the gig comes in. You're like, sorry, mum, I'm not going to be around. It's funny. And, it's funny you said that because I oh, done le- leaving, no, leaving the UK and it was I landed back in the States the day before my dad's birthday. And then mm. it was it's my sister's birthday, like four days after my dad's and uh i facetimed my dad on on his birthday and like the whole family was sat at dinner like and you're like fuck and then i called my sister on her birthday and she was like i'm just about to eat dinner with mum and dad i'll hit you up later i'm like fuck and it's just like that it 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 gets you it's like damn but it's just life you just gotta roll with it and the what's the other option to go and work in uh, for some other in some other industry, nine to five, so fuck you could be that. there for the dinners. Like yeah, fuck, that. fuck that. Do you know what I mean? That's that's a that's a miserable will. Yeah. No one wants a miserable will at the dinner table. No. <laughs> no. no. So tell me, um, how were your first gigs? What like like describe in every minute detail this how is... amazing they were because I want to live my life through you. So I've been back to... two weekends and I was supposed to have three shows and one of them got cancelled because of a fucking storm. Like fucking storm but the first show back was it was unreal it was um it was a nicole muda bar in the mood party in la so it was nicole victor calderone leighton Gidani, a vision and myself um mm. and we were told it was like three and a half thousand caps so i was going in shit in my pants because i'm like also i t- stupidly changed my rider so to all the new equipment and I'd, oh. I'd not I'd not actually they like Pinehead sent me the equipment but they sent it to my Detroit address so I hadn't actually been on the new equipment at all so I was like shit I don't know what I'm gonna fucking do I don't know what I'm yeah. playing but 30 minutes into the set it was like I was like okay I've, I'm back 
it's like riding yeah. a bike again but it was yeah. it was home, home. it was about five thousand people there and yeah it was fucking mental um i bet but, do, you, do you get like goosebumps and tingles and just like, oh my God. Yeah, for me, it, for me, it was just like, it's weird because I'm always happy when I'm playing. Well, not always happy, but a lot, 90% of the time, I'm always really happy. And like, I like to look out to the crowd and just kind of watch people. And that, during that set, I did it a lot. After the first 30 minutes, it was just like so, it made me so happy being able to look at everyone, be happy. And just like have that, yeah. It was just that how like you can play a record and you don't know what everyone's feeling, but their the, their facial expressions, their like conversations with their friends. It's just so nice to ha- to be able to be part of that again. Um, yeah, yeah. That and yeah, is, that, is this the set that went up on SoundCloud? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you see the comments and people would be like, oh, man, yeah. to be there was amazing. I had a quick look through them and I was like, oh, wow, these are like really, really good comments from people yeah. who were actually there and were just like saying how amazing it was. So And yeah. and Factory 93, like Carlos that puts on those parties, he's obviously like old school promoter from L.A. Um, well, mm-hmm. I don't think he's from L.A. He's from Montreal, um, but has been in the game for years and curates amazing parties and kind of makes these amazing spaces. It was in like a huge parking lot down downtown. Um, Sound system was amazing. It was just like a very well done show. And yeah, yeah, it was just special. It was like, we've, we had lots of offers to do lots of shows to like, is like our first show. And we just felt like this one was kind of the most perfect one to go back to and kind mm. of be like, we're back people. Like, let's fucking do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this weekend I'm playing New York, um, which actually by the time this comes out, it will be last weekend. Um, yeah. But I'm so excited for that. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be amazing. It's the Brooklyn Mirage, mm. which Chris has yeah, just I'm done as well. Thing. It's going to be loads of fun. Yeah. Um, and so I actually had a question for you. I was thinking about this earlier when I was in the shower. Um, if you had to play a 10,000 person capacity gig mm. um, or a 300 like tiny gig where it was like everyone, like sweaty basement, but like everyone was there just to see you. Yeah. And so they loved you. Whereas 10,000, it's like, you know, they might be there to see Nicole. They yeah. could be there to see whoever. Um, same distance from your house, same fee, same mm. everything. Which one would you pick? That's tough. It's tough because I like... You've got to pick. It's life or death. There's, there's like two There's two answers to it. So the, the 10,000 one is like, well, I can win some people over. Like my view yeah. every time I go to a show is that like 20% of these people may know who I am. The rest don't have a fucking clue who I am. And I have to make sure that every single person leaving that club knows who I am. Mm-hmm. So like 10,000 people is a lot of people to win over and could be potentially good in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. more, more of an effort. More, It's like, that's that's work, if you know what I mean. I have to make sure that I'm on point. And, long game, long game plan. Yeah. yeah. Like this. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's all right. Um, and then the 300 is like it's the fucking best. Yeah. It's it's homies like but I also 
I also I th- I I'm probably going to say the ten thousand because we can f- we can play a party for three hundred people whenever we want. Everyone comes out for me whenever I want. It's not I that think, that sounded wanky as fuck, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. Do you know what? If oh, I mean, no one's going to be booking me for a ten thousand capacity venue anytime soon. But if it was me, I'd definitely go for that one. Yeah, I would be standing on top of the deck, being like, <laughs> like, would you be like an EDM it? DJ? Oh, totally, yeah. totally. Like, hundred percent. I'll just be all over it. I'll be like playing banger after banger, <laughs> like killer no, like thriller. No filler. Like every no fillers, single pack, yeah. I'll just be like, yes, go for it, go for it. Everyone would be exhausted by the time I'd finished. Just, uh, but 300 people, I'd be like, oh, whatever. 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 Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I'd want the fame and the glory <laughs> and the 10,000. We love, we love the sweaty basements. Um, yeah. The thing with like certain festivals though, when it's that big, people are just there. Then a lot of them are just there because like, one of their mates wants to go and they're all like, yeah, this is a fucking great idea and not necessarily into it, which is why I'm like, let's fucking make them into it. Which yeah. I, I I kind of struggle sometimes when art when DJs don't actually DJ. They just play boring sets in like festivals. Yeah. I'm like, guys, come on. Like you're actually yeah. being paid to entertain. Like, yeah, showcase your shit. Don't ju- don't just like rest on your laurels. Like, bring it. Yeah. Especially when you've got that many people to entertain. Yeah. You, can, you might be able to get away with it when it's smaller, like a three hundred sweaty basement. You might be able to keep people in there because they're there just for that. that. You've got yeah. a captive audience. Whereas you've got ten thousand people at a festival, they can leave anytime they want and go see someone else. Exactly. You know, you've got stiff competition like on your doorstep. Yeah. The minute somebody else comes on on another stage and they see the timetable, that they're, they're heading out of there. So you, mm. and it's maybe, it's definitely an ego thing for me. It's like, I want to make sure that everyone is saying that Will Clark played the best set of the night. Like, yeah, that's all well, I give a fuck I about. Mean, I don't care do. what anyone says. <laughs> it's just, that's, yeah. that's, that's what I want to do. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, who are you looking after now? Mm. Oh, it all went a bit weird then. Um... Oh, do you know what? I knew you were going to I knew you were going to ask me this. I was actually like, oh, oh no, it's my connection. Fucking internet in Berlin. Hello. I can hear you now. You're back. Okay. Who am I looking after now? A mean Asian dance. You Cats can't forget dogs. anyone. So the pressure is on. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to get out my signature because I'm actually going to forget. It. And then I'll just be in so much trouble. Oh God, I'm actually going to read it out to make sure. Okay, a mean Asian dance. Cats and dogs. Eli was at Ellie and Fur, not quite sure. Eli and Do you Fert. know whether it's Ellie or Eli? Eli. It is Eli. Okay. Because yeah. me and you have this conversation all the time and I say Eli and he's like, no, it's a girl, it's Ellie. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I think it's it Eli. She's dope. They're both yeah. dope. I love those two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've, um, yeah. I've worked with them now since I joined NGE. Um, it's going really well. Good. So GW Harrison, who's like a UK superstar right now. James Organ, uh, Jonas Rassman, Juliet Fox, Kevin Knapp. Pillow Talk, Brock and Fitch, Sawley, and you. How long have you been looking after Juliet for? Uh, like a month. Sick. Because yeah. I, I had her on the podcast and she was talking about changing agents. Mm, so I'm happy. It's me. So I've known Juliet a while, actually. Um, and Because she lives in Berlin as yeah. well. And I don't know. You, you know, she's going out with Seb, who used to be at Drum Code. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're living here. And uh, yeah, she's hit me up and I was like, yeah, I'd love to add a talented woman to my roster. She's wicked. Um, we, 
we have a serious lack of women on the roster and it's frustrating. And it's not because there's a lack of talent out there. It's probably because I'm not looking hard enough. But, um, but you know, you don't want to add women just for the sake of adding w- women because that just seems wrong. Um, but yeah, Juliet, she's wicked. And I, I do feel like you and her have quite a lot of synergy in terms of like the music that you play, the sets that you play and stuff. So. Yeah, I want to get her on some shows over here. Mm. I put mm. her, I put oh. her on the list to, to yeah, get, yeah. get on. Um, yeah. She's wicked. And I've known her for years. Yeah. I, I've known her since I was like 18. Oh, and how old are you now? I should know this. I just don't. 31. 31. Yeah. 31. Yeah. So, yeah. Ages. Yeah. Ages. Uh, um, who's the biggest quick... diva? Come on. Who's the biggest diva? Oh, you. Obviously. Uh, obviously. <laughs> Probably is. I don't, well. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm an edge of dance. It's got to be those boys. I knew you were going to say this because everyone thinks <laughs> it is. And when I first started working with them, which was like, maybe five years ago now, I was like, oh God, because my boss, my old boss, Darren from family, he actually was like, oh, I've got, got a new artist I'd like you to work with. And I was thinking, oh, bloody hell. Like I've heard all about these guys. Like they're such divas. <laughs> the exact opposite. They're amazing. The I love them. They are like absolute like love hearts. I love them. Like I met, uh, met up with a meme when I was back in Lisbon and uh, back in Lisbon, I've only been to Lisbon once. I'm <laughs> back, at, back home. When, I, when I'm back in my hometown of Lisbon, that's not true. Um, but yeah. And like, he's so lovely. Like I love them. And you know what? I made a rule after working with one particular DJ, which I won't say who go it on, is, but I had to say uh, it. <laughs> oh, DJ hell. What? Did you not like him? Uh, <laughs> If you can't say anything nice about somebody, don't say anything at True, all. True, I agree with uh, that. He, he made my assistants cry, not just one, but two. Oh, no, um, that's not good. Uh, yeah. And and you know what? Like, everybody's got their way. Me and him just didn't mesh very well together. Yeah. Um, and I just said after that, like, you know what? I'm just not going to work with anybody else I don't like with, don't mm. like, or don't, don't get on with, or don't have a nice relationship with. Like, it's just not worth it. Like, as we were saying before, like, we live and breathe our jobs. Yep. It's it, it's such a big part of my life. And like my, how my day's gone at work will, will um, determine how my evening goes at home and determine yep. how my weekend is. Like if I've had a shit day at work, like Neil knows as soon as he walks through the door, he's totally. like, oh God, what's happened? So to have people that are divas or hard work, and I'm not saying that I don't sometimes think yeah. with my DJs, you know, I do. And I'm sure they feel, we feel like that about me. Oh, and 100%. That, we all feel the same yeah. about each other. 100%. Yeah, but this is fine. Yeah. But like, do I work with people that I actually don't like? Like, no. Yeah. Like, and I think that anybody who puts up with toxic people in their life, whatever, like whatever that might, and they might not be toxic to everybody, but if it's toxic to you, yeah. like, you know, across the board, whether it's family, friends, work, whatever, um, anybody who puts up with that is just doing themselves a massive injustice. And it's just causing themselves more mental and psychological and spiritual pain than is necessary the world's already quite hard yeah why put yourself in a situation where you've got to spend time and i find as well when i like someone oh i work twice as hard for them yeah i will i will go that extra mile like when i've got to know my djs i get to know like their girlfriends like i care deeply about them so for me to not like someone or think they're a dick i then just think it's just a bit weird isn't it i'm not really i'm not going to answer my phone to you at the weekend yeah i don't care like you're not my problem and even though it is my problem but you shouldn't feel like that you know you should always want to go the extra mile um so totally how does it work how does it work being an agent in with like ng like if you were to 
find somebody can you just take anybody on or do you does it have to go through the whole company and does like is there multiple people that have to agree no not at all like if i really like somebody and i can take it to will and say what do you think like i'd never just take someone on to say oh by the way guys this yeah. is what i take it on like i'd always want to get other people's opinion mm. um yeah and i'd just be like what do you think and if they say i don't think it's a good idea i'd obviously want to know why they don't think it's a good idea yeah um, but quite often, and especially Will, like Will gives us so much freedom to do what we want. Um, he's like the least micromanagey. He's not even, I wouldn't even call him a manager. He, he owns the company, yeah. you know, and he's, he's, um, he just lets us do what, what we're happy to do. Mm. And I guess for that, him as well, that means, you know, nothing hangs on his head. Like, you know, if I took somebody on and they were a dick, he wouldn't be like, I could be like, well, Will, you said it was a good idea, yeah. you know, or, or like, you know, I've already got myself to blame. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it would be totally up to me if I took somebody on. That's wicked. Which is really nice. I'm not forced into anything. And I've definitely had artists forced on me in the past. Um, ones that I either didn't believe in as artists yeah. or ones that I didn't like. And it's very hard, very hard. Or even ones that you don't particularly like their music. I've had that with, like, I've had that with an agent before where my agent at the time got fired from the company. Um, and then... I got forced upon somebody else as an yeah. agent. It just it just never works for anyone because it's no. like at the end of the day, for me, this the one thing I've learned over the years and I didn't get it good. F- I've only had it good for the last like couple of years is like having the right people and the right team around you. And it takes time to kind of get used to that. But for me, is like having the right manager, the right agents, the right press people, the right label mm. managers just everyone around you the right f- f- videographers the photo team like everyone that's like perfect for you it it makes so much of a difference such a difference such a bit it's, it's just yeah you just can't work with people you don't like no. and it's like especially like work directly like it's different you know for example if there was somebody at NGE that I didn't like like you know like a colleague for example yeah, like yeah. that's different you know but like doing what we do whereas like you know we're a team mm. like to have somebody in your team that you don't respect or you all has like totally different views on on life totally. or yeah. um not different views on life because we all got different views but I, you know like perhaps different moral views or whatever you know you just think like i can't i can't get on board with who you are like you yeah. need to be on board with you. what's going on with um, this fitness stuff as well how did that all start because of lockdown, because of the pandemic, yeah. um, uh, I actually said to my husband about three, four years ago, like, because when I go, basically, when I go out drinking and taking drugs, I got massively into fitness. Like, mm. I, that was a thing. I was like, well, I've got nothing else to do because this is all I've done with my life, but I don't have any other hobbies. Yeah. Um, so I got really, really into fitness. And I said to Neil, like, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to become a personal trainer. He laughed at me really hard. <laughs> and like, oh, I was like, Thanks for the support on that one, Neil. But then when the lockdown came, I'm a bit of a, um, uh, I like to be busy. I like mm. to work. Like, uh, I don't like just, I mean, I, I like watching Netflix anybody as much as anybody else, but yeah. I do like to have a goal and have a target. So I just thought, well, I'm just going to do my personal training qualification. So I did it. And I just, honestly, I just thought it'd be good to take up a bit of time and maybe have a, like a, a bit of a side hustle as and when things start up. Yeah. I was turned into a bit of a main hustle. Um, not necessarily now, actually. I've sacked off a few clients recently because as agent world gets busier, I obviously wanted to calm time. down on the PT stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's been loads of fun. I spent the whole of last summer outdoors, like in in the uh, 
in the parks, all the different parks in Berlin, which is amazing. Yeah. Like I only really train women. And as with everything else in my life, I don't, I don't work with dickheads. So yeah. there's been some people that I've trained for a little bit and then gone, sorry, I haven't really got any more time to yeah. book you in for another session and then just not work with them. Um, yeah. And obviously keeping fit in the process, like it, it like, um, opened up a whole world of learning for me. There's loads yeah, of learning to do with it. Like, I mean, it's not rocket science, but it is biology. You know, you do have to learn about the muscles and the bones and how we work and the different energy systems and stuff. But it sort of lit up a spark inside of me about learning and about how, I think also my brain had recovered from the years of uh, drug abuse and like it was no longer mush and it was able <laughs> to retain information. So it all came about exactly the same time. I was like, oh, wow, I can remember things. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> My brain is working. Um, and so from there, I've gone on to do like other things from that. And like still person training people, um, but generally, but not as many as I was. Uh, person training my friends, which is great. Because mm. I mean, I hang around and get to tell my friends what to do. I'm yeah. like, I get paid for it. I'm like, <laughs> go on. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's been good. It's been good. It's definitely not something I'm going to do forever. You know, like mm. I do go into each personal training session, the same way I go into the gym, a bit like, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah. And then I do it and I'm happy that I've done it. And I do still go it. Yeah, I do. Like when I'm like, oh, it's proper work, you know, it's yeah. really hard graft. I was so used to just sitting at my desk, like tapping away at my laptop. Like even if it was a 12 hour day, I wasn't really moving. And like, obviously that's not great for us, but it wasn't, I didn't ever felt like, age of work was like exhausting even though it, it is in so many ways whereas personal training like I get home after like hefting around like 10 kilos on my back all day doing 20,000 steps yeah. working out with people to give motivation and I am fucking Done. exhausting yeah, yeah. so it's it's hard graft um, but in terms of like brain power it's not really hard graft you know like I tell people how many squats to do and stuff yeah. and like, I'm not taking away from any personal trainers and there are millions of personal trainers that are way better than me because they probably invest a little bit more in their training uh maybe in like in terms of like going a little bit further on you know like doing the extra courses and yeah. stuff um but it isn't perhaps for me the most taxing brain wise of things to do so it's probably not going to be something that I do forever though I am so happy to add it to like my um what's what's the word i can't remember a repertoire of things totally. that i can do because before it was like just agent and now i'm like agent personal trainer and i run <laughs> online courses which is great so um, do you, so are you doing online pt as well no i yeah i do online pt Sick. um but i also run uh my zero experiments okay what's so, this i've seen bits of this on but i don't fully know what it is yeah. talk to so, me about this after all of my experience of what I went through with my drug and alcohol problems, addictions, whatever you want to call them, I, like doesn't need a label. Um, and I sort of fumbled my way through the like getting past the, the cravings, the urges, getting to the other side where the magic mm. felt amazing and then sort of slipping back into that world and then coming back out again. And I just learned so many tips and tricks and ways of... Um, finding that better balance that I decided last December that I would see if anybody else had those issues and was yeah. uh, finding that their drug and alcohol consumption was perhaps tipping in the wrong balance. And obviously you don't have this issue, Will, because you've been sober forever, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Because I was, I was going to ask you to come on the course, but then I just thought, 
you know what? I just don't think you're going to resonate with the people that are on the course because the people that are on the course are like, yes, they're ravers. Yes, they're music industry people. But the people who have got problems yeah, with drugs yeah. and alcohol, whereas that's never been you. So um, yeah, even I've, though you've got I've perspective never, on it. It's, no, it's never, no. It's never been an issue. But I guess like growing up with my parents having rehabs and like always being... Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. Know this. Yeah, so my parents yeah. own drug and alcohol rehabs. Um, oh, I mean... This is amazing. How did I not... <laughs> what? Yeah, that's so. I like ever since some of my youngest memories were like going to mum's work at one of the rehabs, or mum used to run like wow. a mental health in 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 Somerset. Um, so like, I think like. Do you think that put you off? I don't think it put me off, but I think subconsciously it was like I I don't. I'm I'm kind of like a bit of a strange where if I do something, I make sure I fucking do it. Not okay. Um, Which can be dangerous when it comes to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but yeah, I think because my mum does. My mum's been sober for thirty, nearly thirty six years. Wow. And well done. My, my dad drinks. My brother and sister drink. It's like not. And I used to drink, but I just don't like it. And mm. I was just so I was just like. I'm just going to stop. To be honest, it doesn't taste nice. No, exactly. But I mean, I do like the odd non-alcoholic beer because, but it's more like the the ritual of having it yeah. than than the taste. Because when you actually think about it, I'm like, it doesn't taste good. Oh, like, yeah. and I I've never liked cocktails, like because like, they're just so sugary and just so, and they're the only way that you can make alcohol taste Tastes actually good. Yeah. nice. You know, it's for a cocktail, and I'm like, well, and I and I don't like paying 13 euros for a cocktail. Either. I'm like, sorry, no. Um, but uh, sorry, yeah, I butted in yeah. talking about your yeah, zero. No, all good, all good, all good. I do have some questions to actually ask you about sobriety okay. and stuff, but cool. we can get around to those. Um, so yeah, so the zero experiments. We started with the six zero in um, January for dry Jan, obviously, mm. and there was 45 of us, all from basically from within the industry. Whether that meant that they were working in the industry or raving in yeah. the industry yeah, yeah. like it was too much we had um yeah so over 60 days and the i guess the aim of it is to not drink and take drugs for 60 days yeah. so it's not like the whole thing about the course if you were actually didn't stop doing it but did all the other work that was uh part of the course which would probably wouldn't happen because i think what we learn about in the course is like the science about science behind mm. drugs and alcohol like what they actually do to your body and your brain um we uh had like addiction specialists come in and chat Sick. to us um we did um workouts led by me um yoga meditation we did um like there's worksheets every week that we mm. look into like a personal development um we had interviews with djs that were either sober or sober curious or yeah. they've done like some sober uh stints in the past um yeah, and it was amazing. It was so good. And then we did another one in May, and that was a smaller group with a small amount of time as well. And then we've got another, I can't say we as if I've got this like big corporate company. It's just me on my own. Yeah. Um, so then I've got another one that starts in October for Sober October. But this one, I'm going to not just focus in on drugs and alcohol, focus in on like bad habits. Yeah. So things that we do impulsively, such as picking up our phone for social media, mm. biting your nails, shopping, gambling. Um, falling in love with the wrong person over and over again, <laughs> overeating, undereating, um, 
food restrictions, like over-exercising, anything really that's that's an impulsive habit that you do that negative, negatively impacts your life. Like, it doesn't have to be addiction, you know? And, like, I always, always, always like, am I a drug addict? Am I, am I an alcoholic? Mm. And it's, it's a question that I've pondered so much because when you look at the actual definition of it, you would say yes. Yeah. Um, because does it, do you do something regularly that negatively impacts your life mm. and you still continue doing it all the time? Yeah. Like, yes, okay, I got fired from every single job I had when I was in advertising because yeah. of what I did at the weekend. So by that definition, yes. But then would you look at me and say, I was an addict? Like, I'm not not what I would look at as an addict, yeah. you know? So, um, and I don't think, I think in a way we're all probably addicted to something, you know, whether it's like your morning ritual of doing your coffee, it's just how damaging it is to your life or whether it's damaging at all to your life. Yeah. And we all have our habits, good and bad. Um so this is just, uh, yeah, just giving us a little bit more knowledge about um, why we do the things, like how we can change our, our the circuits in our brain, how we can like change the reward systems. And um, hopefully at the end of the 60 days or the 30 days, um, just come out of it, a bit, being a bit more self-aware. I was going to say, that's what it feels like. It feels about, it's like almost like more education where it's like yeah. kind of learning it's taking a seat back and sit back and look, looking at yourself really. It's totally. And that's how to change your habits is totally 100%. observing. And it's like, um, was it non-judgmental, compassionate curiosity? Yeah. And it's literally just being like, I'm not going to blame myself for this anymore. I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, you know, if you had a drink and you're trying not to, I would be like, why the fuck have I done this? Yeah. Be like, why have I done this? Yeah. Like what made me go out to do this? No, rather be angry with myself. Be like, what is it in my life that is, making me do something that I know is so unaligned with what I actually want to do with my life, you know? Um, And that could be with so many things, you know, if someone, I don't know, kept cheating on their, their partners, like why, like why do they feel compulsively need to do that? Like if someone kept spending money they don't have and they, you know, they know they've got debt and they can't help but go shopping. Like why, why do they feel the need to keep on going shopping and what can they do to break that, that circuit in their head that they, that, you know, say, okay, so how about I just think about, observe the fact that I'm feeling like this like is the world going to change if I don't go shopping like is my life going to be bad because really we're stressing about something like oh I can't cope but of course you can yeah. like you can cope yeah. you just have to be uncomfortable you have to sit with it and I like I guess my biggest addiction has been smoking yeah and there's times when I am literally like well not not anymore but like oh my god just need a cigarette I'm like it's okay it's yeah. gonna go like everything passes like everything and, and I always say to myself, all right, if you still want a cigarette in 10 minutes, go and have a cigarette. <laughs> uh, how, many times, how many times did you want a cigarette in 10 minutes? No, never. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten that I ever yeah. wanted one because I got distracted with something else. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's anyway. So that's a zero experiment. That's amazing. I, did, I didn't know it was all about that. Like I mm. saw things online. Um, yeah. I saw Sam, was Sam doing it? Is what Sam Devine? Sam Devine, yeah. She appeared on it. Like we had Chris Lake. Kate, like we interviewed him for the last one, Jess Bays, Andy Rayside, he's the agent that defected. Um, Fat Tony, who's obviously, um, I don't know if you know Fat Tony, but he's a, he, I mean, he had definite addiction problems. Like he pulled his own teeth out um, yeah. when he was on, uh, he had this thing when he's, I think he's on loads of ketamine and he yeah. puts things in his mouth where you feel like, he said he thought he had woodland creatures growing in his mouth. So he got a stick and a pair of pliers, pulled his own teeth out, like, that's wow. Um, but then you look at where he is now and he's only where he is now because he gave up, gave up all the, gave up all the drugs. Um, he's fucking drugs. hilarious on Instagram. 
oh my god so funny like interviewing him was hilarious amazing but I was so nervous I was like it's about Tony he's so funny I was like don't try me funny don't try me funny because you can't compare is he funny in person yeah is he is is he a funny guy yeah yeah totally bonkers Mm. like absolutely bonkers of course um but yeah but yeah it's nice it was nice to have all the different um celebrities um yeah it's about it's it's a community as well isn't it and and I think that's what a lot of people lack in when it comes to addiction or any problems is that it's kind of you feel like you're on your own and yeah like being um, able to have something like that where people can can one of my good mates he's like quite a successful chef in in America and he they they set up a kind of a foundation which is like AA and NA but for chefs mm, because mm, <laughs> chefs don't have time like they literally don't they're working seven days a week so they don't mm. have time to go to NA and AA and things like that so they kind of set up a, a foundation for themselves and I was like it's we, we need more of that we need more mm, people talking mm. about it and talking about the issues yeah. yeah the best thing about the uh the zero experiments is we have like a, a slack channel mm. everyone joins slack uh, and everyone chats That's you know cool. it's, it's like yeah. and you give it you offer support to other people and you realize you're not alone in it and because yeah. it's such an isolating thing and even though drinking taking drugs in the beginning is incredibly social you know like everyone goes to the pub like you buy drugs and you do them with your friends when it becomes a problem it's extremely isolating yeah. you feel like you can't talk to anyone you don't want to admit it the problem you internalize everything it can make problems like depression anxiety paranoia so much worse so then when it comes to like asking for help, you're scared, you know, yeah. and it, just thinking about it and admitting you've got a problem can be anxiety inducing. So when it comes to like having a, a group of people that get it, and especially because everyone was kind of from the same, like we were talking about what we're doing, green rooms and like yeah. going to Ibiza, you know, like things that everybody got, everyone understood. Mm. Um, and then we talk like how, how to go to a rave sober, you know, whereas... When I started getting sober, all the groups that were that I was joining, they were full of 50-year-old housewives yeah. who were starting wine bottles under the sink. And that is problematic, of course. I didn't resonate with them at all. And as soon as I would mention that, oh yeah, and it's drugs, judgments. Yeah. Judgments, 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 because you know, alcohol's fine. That's not a problem because it's illegal because it's legal. Drugs, on the other hand, so weird. You know, so weird. And then when I'd go to like, oh, well, I'll go to an NA meeting or an AA meeting and I'll sit there and think, well, I'm a fucking fraud. Like yeah. these people's lives have been turned upside down by this, you know? No, these that, people yeah. have been rock bottom, like rock bottom. And I'm like, I didn't get to rock bottom. Like I caught myself before I got there. Which is fucking um, and that, good. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And that is what the course is about. Yeah. It's about catching people before they get that low, before, before yeah. like they're, they lose their jobs and, you know, their marriage falls apart, whatever. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so is it anyone can kind of get involved with that? How does it work? Yeah, anyone can get involved. The best way to get involved is go to my Instagram. I am Joanna Barber and sign up to my newsletter and um, I will send you more info as and when it's launched. It's going to launch at the beginning of September. We start on the 29th of September. I'm also going to do a free workshop before then, I don't know why I keep signing myself up for all this work, Will, honestly. Like, yeah, you got to fucking get me gigs. Stop doing know, all of this I shit. <laughs> I will, I will. Do you know what, actually? Like, I, I went on holiday to Lisbon thinking that was going to 
like they're going to be the best break and I got back and I had so much work and I was like I have to take another week off work now because I'm actually burnt out yeah. because I've just taken on so much but this one all the other courses that I've done I've like like the one in December, January, I like launched on like the 20th of December and it went live on the 4th of Jan. Mm. And luckily I couldn't go on holiday because I didn't get my COVID test back back in time. So I actually had six days on my own at home over Christmas. So I wrote the entire nice. course then. The last one was a bit of a rush as well. This time I've given myself a lot of time. Yeah. So it's already like half written. That's awesome. It's like, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fine this time rather than me being like, oh, up to late at night and then waking up early it's, it's but, been uh, really interesting during covid as well to see people in the industry do different things yeah and like actually yeah. like put their work and effort into other things rather than like still music focus and still like kind of relating to the industry but i think we you you wouldn't have ever have had the time to be able to do any of that never in a million years oh look my little yeah i just saw him uh, um, yeah and do you know what like if I hadn't done these I wouldn't be able to be an agent like I was really scared about telling any of my artists that I was gonna that I trained to be a personal trainer because yeah. I thought they were gonna say to me oh well I don't want to work with you because um you've got other priorities but if I didn't do that this I would have had to go and got another job at yeah. somewhere you know, I'd have had to look for another job where and maybe within the music industry still, but I would have had to stop being an agent yeah. because I, there's no way you can just sit around for 16 months no. without anything coming in for your sanity. Not, not, not just financially, regardless of how much money you've got in the bank, you can't just sit and wait. That's, um, that's the thing that got to me the most was yeah. it wasn't needing the money. It was the, the, the kind of what's the value in life, like the purpose in life. It's like... Without a purpose, it's so difficult yeah, to feel and like... I, it, and I think for me, like financial, finance, like earning money gives me a purpose. And it's not because I need the money. It's not because I want the money. It's not because I want to buy nice things. I don't fucking buy nice things, really. It's not my thing. But it's that, it's that purpose, like, okay, you're working this weekend. And you're mm. earning money is so important to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having a purpose. It's one of the things we actually talk about in the course. Yeah. Like, what is your purpose in life? Like, what's your purpose for the day? Yeah. Like, you know, what do you really want? And like, you know, set your goals and go and get it. And when you're, you've got a pandemic and even if you set some goals, which are like, this is when Boris said that he wasn't going to open all the UK clubs. Like, mm. we all had that as our target and that as our goal. Yeah. And then someone takes it away. And if you don't know if you could ever make that goal come true, like, you kind of lose your own autonomy over yeah, your life. Totally. And then suddenly it's really hard and you're like, well, nothing's certain. It doesn't matter how hard I work. If you're not working towards anything, mm. you don't have that goal and that purpose, then you're just sort of floating and yeah. like, and you don't feel like you're going to achieve anything. You know, you don't, don't achieve. Um, so I actually have a, this is kind of related to what we were talking about. Um, what would be your ideal lineup like i'm saying like setting goals and targets but if you had to feature on a lineup with four other djs who would they be that's tough um i just want my homies there mm, like this is cute I'd, and who would they be tell us it's tough again like not musical like it doesn't need to be musical like that the music doesn't have to flow at all mm-hmm. i mean this is, this is up to you it's um, your lineup your 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 stage like i would get a vision on um Mm -hmm. he's like i really fucking love what he does um at the moment and he's a super nice dude 
Um, so A-Vision would be one of them. Maceo, just because mm-hmm. I love what he does. He's fucking... Mm-hmm. And I've never met him, and I want to work with him. And, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he just seems dope. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd bring one of my mates on called Born Dirty. He's doing, like, a side project that nobody knows about, and I'd get his side project on because it's he's, like, one of my best mates, and it's fucking amazing music. Um, yeah. I'd get Parrot, Made in Paris, who's a friend from uh, Australia. She's great, um, and I love what she's doing. Oh, that's such... <sighs> There's so I mean many that people. is four. Yeah, I mean, you that's can four. you can create the you can create the whole festival if you want. <laughs> I like be- I'd love to have like Faithless together as with Maxi Jazz. Yeah. Like cuz obviously cool. he's left but he they would be on that uh camera. I think that would sell quite a few tickets as well so it's probably, probably quite a good tactical one yeah, as well. Yeah, Chemical Brothers just they're just the ones they would 100%. Both of those both of those I've seen, Faces and Chemical Brothers, at the festival oh. in uh, Chelmsford. I think of all, of all festivals, <laughs> it's like the first festival I went to. But um, yeah, the festival. It was, it was very heavy. I'd I'd love London Grammar on on there. Mm. They're my favourite band ever. I hope um, we're taking notes because when we are, do put on the Will Clark Festival, this, I know this. this is, I've got the lineup for the festival in my head. Don't worry, we got this. Yeah, <laughs> um, can I can I DJ in the backstage a bit? You're your main stage. You're EDM. You're going to be an EDM DJ by then. Yeah, well, I mean, I could do if I, if I can be like a David Guetta and get someone else to do the mixing for me, or just unplug all the decks and just put a mix on. <laughs> Poor David yeah. Guetta gets so much shit. <laughs> Me and Neil have had so many conversations. Like, if someone said to you, you have to sell out, but you're going to be worth millions, or you get to, like, you know, do the long game and, like, mm. stick to your guns in terms of, like, your music thing, music choice or whatever, and it's not, you don't know whether it's going to work or not, or you can just sell out and just, like, yeah. you know, hit the big time, what would you do? And we're both like, mm, probably sell out. Yeah, 100%. I think of a fun. I mean, this is me, but I'm I obviously I'm not an artiste. No, so. I would I would sell out. Like if somebody is like, "Will, would you want your records to be number 1 in the charts?" 100 fucking percent. Yeah. Are they, are they yeah, yeah. is a Will Clark record as Will Clark records are now going to be a number 1? Fuck no. But mm. like would I want a career like Tiesto? 100%. Would yeah, I want a yeah. career like Carl Cox? 100%. But Carl, Carl's done it so amazingly because he hasn't, he he hasn't, hasn't sold, out. sold out. But like, yeah. would I want to release music like David Guetta? Fuck no. Mm. So it's that catch-22, isn't it? It's like, yes, yeah. I'd, I'd love the success, but would I want... I, would I You'd want, have to sell out. You'd have to sell your soul yeah. a little bit. But then when you went home at night to your five million pound mansion you know and, i don't think i'd um, have a mansion that's the thing you probably wouldn't would you you'd no. probably have something really humble and like cute i'd have like i'd i'd have i'd have zero neighbors i'd have yeah. no in the middle of the countryside i'd have a bunch of cows and i'd have like a little farmhouse <laughs> yeah let's all go and live on wheels farm yeah, that's that's the goal yeah. but yeah, yeah i don't know i don't like the word sellout no i mean you can't say with the sellout, you know, you say, and I think as well, there's like when, when people become a commercial hit, mm. suddenly they've sold out. Yeah. But it's not their fault. 
that everybody likes their music. In fact, wouldn't you prefer, like, I'd say one of the biggest issues with DJs, music, musicians, artists, whatever, is obscurity. You know, yeah. you can be the best in the whole world. You can be the most amazing DJ, the most amazing music producer, but if no one hears what you do, totally agree. then you're not really fulfilling your dream unless your dream is just to be the bedroom DJ. Yeah. Like, would is everybody loving what you do? Is that selling out or is that actually what you're going out there to achieve? Exactly. And does it suddenly make it a sellout and pop because so many people like it? Well, if it does, fuck that. Like... Mm. Like you're allowed to be popular. Yeah. Like you're, you're totally allowed. But in our, our, our world, popular isn't cool, you know? Yeah, fuck them. Anyone that says that, they sh- mm. it, it's weird because we have this, it's such a clicky industry. Like, classic mm. example, like, I'm, I'm happily be honest about this. Like, I'm doing a show, I won't say the club, but we're doing quite a big show in America and we're ch- struggling to. Um, get artists to play with me because they like still think that I'm this dirty bird act and still doing all of that and it's like why the fuck do you care we're gonna be playing like one of the best clubs in America like let's take our egos out of this and let's just fucking have a great fucking party Yeah. but then again I say that and then I get asked to play somewhere where it doesn't make sense for me and it doesn't make sense for, for me as, as an artist. So I, I also get both sides of the story, but yeah. it's like, it goes back to what we were saying at the DJ, like when DJing is like, play like it's your fucking last set. Like play mm-hmm. like no one knows who you are because there's so many massive DJs that have, that have extremely successful careers, but have never, they just don't play like, like no one really is going to see them play music because they love the music. They're going just to say that they've been to see that person. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's a thing to say you've you've done and yeah. Or sure. you put it on your Instagram, or you've got a picture yeah. with that person, or you like. So I don't know. That's just how I look at. It. I'm and obviously everyone's allowed their opinions, but I think it's just like I I had a meeting with somebody the other day, and we were kind of like all talking about stuff and i was like guys it's fucking house and techno it's not the fucking we're not the g7 summit let's just fucking put a party on and let's just like have fun like that's it's so true like stop taking yourself so fucking seriously this is supposed to be entertainment it's discos like let's have some fun with it like yes i know like you can't just be like it's not you know take nothing seriously but also like it's supposed to be a laugh Mm, like it's supposed to and the reason we do it is because we enjoy it not because we have to do anything. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the industry has like over, well, it's it's always been like it, but it's like a lot of it is like ego based, whether that's the artist, whether that's the manager, whether that's the agent, it whether mm-hmm. or whether that's the promoter, it's a lot of it is kind of just feeding into each, each other's egos. And I'm like, at the end of the day, what are we putting parties on? Who are we putting parties on for? We put mm-hmm. on parties on so people can escape reality. That's all we mm-hmm. do do it for. That's that's what club clubbing's about is escaping yeah. that shit nine to five job that majority of the yeah. population do. And let's let's kind of bring it back to that. And yeah, I I was yeah. hoping COVID would would have like cleared that up, but it hasn't. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. There's still definitely it's definitely a popularity contest for yeah. sure. 
Yeah, which sure. which I get because the popularity contest means the more popular you are, the more money you earn. And at the end of the day, mm. I want everyone to earn as much money as they possibly can so that it gives them the lives they want. Um, mm. Not that money does, but money makes life easier for everyone. Yeah, um, sure, for sure. I mean, obviously... I was going to say, obviously, having loads of money can be problematic. I can't really see how it could be problematic right now. But, uh, but yeah. I think that's the thing is, is it, I think if you're doing something you absolutely love, the money is just a bonus, right? And yeah, it, yeah, it's, totally. not, it's not about, don't get me wrong, I would love to be a fucking multimillionaire. But mm. I would, the reason why I'd like to be a multimillionaire is not so I can have nice things. It's so I can make sure that my family and friends and my team around me are are sorted and and like for the first time like since working with ryan my manager it's the first time i wanted to make my manager money and i wanted to like make my agents money and my team money and it's like that excites me more than anything is to Mm -hmm. be able to have a team that is all living an amazing life through my career like that's that's what excites me I like this, obviously. Being <laughs> but, um, but it, you know, it's the same for me. Like, you know, I I feel there's a great sense of satisfaction with watching my DJs uh, treat themselves and their family whichever way makes them happy. You yeah. know, whether it's kitting out their studio, whether it's buying a nice watch, whether yeah. it's buying a house. You know, obviously there is a satisfaction with watching them on an amazing stage. And, um, you know, there's some gigs out there which are amazing and they're shit payers and they are satisfying as well. Yeah. But watching people grow and watching people um, have what they want in life and what they truly deserve yeah. is so satisfying. It, it really is. Yeah, because you've, um, you've done you've worked with GW for a while. He's like the prime yeah. example. Like when I started booking him, he was like 250 quid yeah. and my booking fee was like £37.50. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it was a passion project for sure. Um but now he's obviously he's just doing amazingly and his fees are wonderful for yeah. all of us. And, you know, like just counting up how much he's going to make in a month. And I'm like, yeah. gee, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, I've worked with him for five years, maybe longer, actually. Um, when did we start with? Yeah, five years, actually. And, you know, I have, we've, it's loyalty it's trust like he he believes in me like when when I moved to NG he was the first one I told and I was like you have to come with me George Um, I was like if you don't want to come then it probably will change my decision he's like no I'm in obviously like whatever and there was no like um you know he didn't even hesitate with like oh should I and I'm not saying you know people can hesitate for sure but it's just like we have a really nice good knit team but we have been working together for such a long time and it's nice to watch him grow and do so well like it's a a total pleasure in fact and like I love his girlfriend and they're about to get a dog and I'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's amazing I've I knew him before he was a DJ Mm. In, yeah because he's an amazing graphic designer as well and he's yeah. doing the stuff we are that's yeah. what i knew him as in ibiza in fact no he yeah. was he was a pr dude in ibiza handing out yeah, flyers yeah. for pucker up um yeah and it's it's so nice to see him doing what he's doing now it's fucking great yeah and it's nice to be working with you working with him because it's yeah. like a full circle it's great yeah, yeah 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 i remember actually i'd just taken him on and i was at studio 338 and i was on in um this is a drug story, by the way. It's 
quite a funny one. Well, funny slash embarrassing. Um, and I had got there and I was like really, really hungover. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll just do a big bump of ketamine. That would be great. That would really sort me out. And it 100% did not. And I was sitting on a bit <laughs> in, the, in the back, like on my own. And I had a book on my lap because I was representing Cynthia at the time. And I bought her a book as a Christmas present. And I was going to egg afterwards. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't see anything. And George kept coming up to me like, oh my God, you're going to be my agent. I was just like oh god this is so awful and I couldn't I probably was even dribbling and he was bless him he was like an excited little puppy and I was just like just please fuck off (laughs) so awful and he was like oh yeah and when I interviewed him for the six zero experiment he was like oh shit yeah I remember this I was like George I was so embarrassed like so embarrassed but still that didn't stop me for a long time still no that's amazing Will I have some beard questions for you? Okay, hit me with them. All right. How long have you been growing your beard? Um, I've had it for seven years. Seven years. I would like to see a picture of you without the beard. I need to see it. I probably can Google, but I've never... I'll find tried. one and I'll send it to you. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I look like a 15-year-old gay porn star. It's pretty sure. Oh, I mean, this sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> can you shave it all off and we go to Bergheim together and you can dress in a harness? And like, I, I would literally just... get destroyed. No, they. I think they'd prefer the beard, to be fair. Like, actually, they probably would, but yeah. you would actually get destroyed in there. Yeah. Like, you would actually. I would lose you immediately and you'd come back and be like, well, that was new. <laughs> that was an interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you, do you oil the beard? Yes, I oiled it this morning after my workout. After and what round of oil do you use? I use... Today was Apothecary 87. Oh, nice. I've never heard of this. Yeah. And sometimes I use Lalabo um, oil, but that's about it. And you trim it or do you get someone to trim it for you? I get somebody to trim it, but it's really hard to get a good barbers in America. They're, oh. they're pretty much all shit apart from like the black barbers or the like Hispanic barbers. Um, so I usually just grow it out. So it looks really shit for a long time until I get back to the UK. Um, mm. but yeah and were you ever no shave it off no. Well, I and what, what prompted you to get it in the beginning just because you didn't want to look I actually, like a, a I actually so my parents own a charity they own a, like a charity for mental health Um, and yeah. I was doing it to raise money and then right. I during that year I was like a year and I'll shave it off after a year Um, and during that year my career kind of took off and mm-hmm. all my press shots were beards, were with beards, and I was like, "This is kind of, it's kind of my thing." Yeah, um, your identity now yeah. is part of you. Yeah, so I just stuck yeah. with it. I definitely think, like, if you said, if anyone, if I said, "Oh, I represent Will Clark," they were like, "Who was he?" And I was like, "Oh, the guy with the beard." They'll be like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, I know who that is." Yeah, and and that's quite a nice thing to do to be like, even if they don't know you by sound or by sight, they know that you've got the beard. Yeah, this it it sounds crazy. But it's one of the reasons why it's why I think my career is why people the lucky beard. It's not even it's that it's that kind of recognition. Like there's mm-hmm. somebody. Okay. I think it's like somebody's seen a picture of it, mm-hmm. and you don't forget it if you know what I mean. And I don't. Yeah. That, I don't mean that in an egotistical way. It's just I don't know. I I can't compare myself to people wearing masks, but it's the same sort of thing. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. It's your thing. Yeah. I actually, when I went to ADE one year, when I bleached blonde hair, I bleached, I dyed my hair pink. Yeah, and just so everybody would yeah. be like, "Oh, the girl with the pink, pink hair, hair, the girl, girl. with the pink yeah. hair." So, they, and I always like if I bumped into somebody in the street, 
and you know, and they were with somebody else, and then I took their details and I would message them and be like, oh, hi, yeah, I had pink hair. So they didn't always know who I was, yeah. you know, and and it for sure it worked. And and so, it's it's interesting because like I'll be I go out with like let's say for instance we're doing like a big festival and I'm with like all my mates there and there be I'll be with mates that are much more successful than me but people will recognize me over them because they just are like well it's Will Clark with the beard it's yeah, it's yeah. weird how how yeah. it works but it's fucking helped me out yeah great well keep it then yeah keep it's not it. going otherwise it'll make a job um I have another question for you. Sorry, yeah. Will. Do you need to go? No, I don't I, need I to go. I just I'm all the time. Okay. Um, have you got any? Uh, who would you give uh, a tip? Well, let me rephrase this question. Lucky that I'm not hosting this interview. <laughs> um, uh, any up and coming DJs that you can like recommend that we go and listen to? Have yeah. you got any like good hints and tips on that one? Because everyone's always looking for new guys. A vision. I'm yeah really vibing with. Um, Made in Paris. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see what Amara comes up with. Yeah, um, me too. We've got a record together that we that we've done, and she's great. I really like working with her. Um, on the more like a little bit more commercial side of things, Amy L. I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see what she's doing in the U- especially in the UK. Um, I think she could be doing some really interesting stuff. Um, quite a I, few. I really like what Dents and Pika are doing on their label. Mm-hmm. Unneeded Pains, The Basque, High Brazel. Um, that everything's just fucking great on that label. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm really bad because I've literally took a year of not listening to any house music. And who are you? Well, I've just been making it, so I'm like, I don't want to listen to it. Um, yeah, I've not bought, I didn't buy music until the week before my show, and that was the first time. Oh, I, really? That was the first time I bought house music. And did you like trawl back through everything that'd been released, or did you just go through what was sent to you recently, promos and stuff? So I do my Spotify playlist every week. So I kept, oh, yeah. I kept. There's an there's an old Will Clark's Spotify playlist. So I put everything in there each week. Um, so mm-hmm. I went through that and kind of guest appearance. Got some oh hey, hey little man or little who is that? This is Rufus. Rufus. Hi, hi. Rufus. Legend. Yeah, what about you? Who who you who you trying to be an agent for? Oh no, no one actually. I'm not um I'm not on the pickup for anybody right now. I am fully stocked. Uh I'm happy with my guys who are, I really definitely can't take on anyone else. Mm. And we do get asked quite a lot and Will sends around people that might be of interest and it would really have to. Sorry, I've got cat hair in my mouth. That's right. I'd, someone would really, really have to like float my boat for me yeah. to be interested or be making me a shit ton of money, yeah. one or I the other, that. because it would take time out of everything else. Yeah. You know, and right now, like time is precious, and yeah, there's only so much, so much you can do in a day. Yeah. And I'd rather give myself to everybody. That I've got and that's often the answer when people ask like have you got any room or you're interested and it's often like it would be unfair to the people on my roster yeah. to take on anyone else or it would be unfair to the person that I'm taking on totally because I, I don't really have the time to offer you what you need especially yeah. when it comes to smaller guys which is a shame but we do have an emerging talent roster at NGE which is great and it's headed up by Andre and it's people who are coming up through the ranks who need, who need that like really good hustle out there 
um, and who don't necessarily have a name for themselves at all, but are amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's especially nowadays. It's it's a uh, well, everything's changed now. Everything's sure. changed, and yeah. also everyone is a DJ or a producer, and it's like, well, you can move to Berlin, Will. Everyone is a yeah. DJ. Like everybody. Yeah, there's nobody that isn't. I've moved to Berlin, since I moved to Berlin. I started DJing. Like that's the influence it has mm. badly. I would say, but you know, but everybody is. Like, everybody you meet. Um, and maybe that's just people I hang around with, but it is. No, it is. It is. But I, yeah, you're, you're probably right because it's the industry that you're in. So you attract those types of people, but it's just, it is, that is how it is. It's like you'll, you'll meet people that go to the raves and then six months later, they're DJing and producing. It's yeah. great. It's fucking amazing. Cause it means that it there's, it means that there's more, great. more out there and it's great to see like more women do it. If you know what I mean, like there needs to be some fucking great women produce some more great women producers, and so the yeah. lineups can be good. And yeah. but the whole industry is like sausage fest. You know what I mean? Like Massive. from the crowds to the people who work, uh, it work behind the scenes. You know, yeah. like you look at our our um, our company. You know, there's three women. Yeah, three. Mm, yeah, like all the assistants are boys, mm. men. Um, Oh, that's my doorbell. Can I go and ask Get the it. Door? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I know who it is as well. Hi. Sorry. No worries. Uh, but I live on the ground floor, so apparently I'm postman for the whole building. <laughs> Happy to everybody. I've had uh, such dramas with the German Post this week, but anyway, that's a whole other boring I, I, story. I would, I, I would have thought the German Post is like a smooth running machine. Will, German efficiency is a fucking myth. It's the biggest myth that's ever been peddled ever. Don't lie to me, it's Joe. There is nothing efficient about this country unless you think efficient is having to fill in a million forms. Uh, oh my God, it's the worst. It is it's oh, actually so the worst. Good. And I think that we have the opinion that it's good, it just makes it 10 times worse. It's so bad. But it's also a city that is very much stuck in like 20 years ago. Yeah, like it's so much, me and you are always like, it's like some town in the 90s. Like it's just. Uh, I find that about even, America as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you come from like London where we're like, we're, I don't, I haven't lived there for five years, but where it's like majorly efficient in mm. so many ways. Um, I think if we'd lived in like outside of London, it probably would have been that much of a culture shock when we got here, but we were literally like, wow, this takes ages to do anything. Like, no, I, I think England's super efficient for <laughs> the infrastructure. I think it's actually works really well, but I just think people in England don't realize how lucky they've got it. No, not at all. Even down to like the simple things like the NHS, like, you know, yeah. we have health insurance over here and you have to pay for it. Mm. And you already get tax like 45%. Then you have to pay your pension and your health insurance yeah. on top. It comes out about 60% of your salary. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yay, great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a cheap place to live. The Germans are like Germany is like a wealthy place. Um, in terms of well, is, everywhere yeah. but Berlin. But there are. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of some benefits. Yeah, but the thing with Berlin is just it's just full of artists, which is yeah. why it's it's not wealthy. It's just full of creative no, people. and it doesn't have that financial district. Yeah. And in you know in London, you have that financial district that you have the opportunity to go and earn a shit ton of money, whereas yeah. that just isn't here. But that also keeps it with a lot more 
like um just a lot more free thinking people you know yeah, you don't necessarily have to have a lot of money although there's there's a bit of a gentrification issue going on here there's a flat there's oh, housing issue flat issues with there's not enough and then they're putting the prices up and everyone's like this is outrageous you're like you live in a capital city yeah like and Berlin is the only capital city in Europe that if you took it out of the country, the country would become richer. Mm. Every other capital city, like if you took London out of um, the UK, the whole country would get poorer. Yeah. But Berlin probably won't recover from what happened uh, with the wall yeah. for another hundred years. No, I totally agree. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a crazy, a lot of, lot of shit's happened in Germany. I mean, the, the German history, like obviously since we've been here, I, I'd... I didn't even realise when I was talk- somebody spoke to me about the wall. I just thought it was a wall that ran across, but actually no, it went round. Obviously, because it kept people in. And I was like, I just don't understand. I thought, why don't people just get to the end of it and go round the other side? <laughs> and, and no, no, that's not how it works. And then like moving here, obviously watching the documentaries yeah. and like visiting all the monuments and stuff, and you just think like, fuck, man, like these people have been through so much. It's so only much. like it, forty years ago. Monuments- they've had the 30th anniversary of the wall coming down since we've lived here yeah. and then so you think when you get a taxi driver a ta- getting a taxi with a taxi driver who's like say 60 mm, he lived when the when the wall was up um and he might and have been on went, that side yeah and so you just think wow and this is only then like whatever like 40 years since world war ii and world war one and you just think Wow. And this is something that we're learning about on our courses, like generational trauma and things yeah. that get carried down into like lineage and like how they can affect you. And just think, well, of course, the city's grumpy. Of course, it's like moody because there's had like they've been oppressed for a long time, you know, even though it's not happening now. Like these people were were um, held hostage, basically. It's crazy. It's mad. But also makes it unique. It makes it unique to what it is. Like the place where we live is the first place where um people populated after the wall went ah, down okay. so the, wall, the actual site of the wall or one of the sites is not that far from us we have a place called mauer park which means wall park mm. and um it was one of the first places to come yeah to be repopulated because everywhere was like it, around the wall it's like no one no one lived because yeah. uh, they didn't live there um and yeah so everyone came back and started uh, uh living here again but now it's like one of the like fanciest areas in in the east um, and it's been really gentrified. Like you, you probably hear there's kids outside of the playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, playground, yeah. And um, but there's no clubs because they weren't protected. They 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 first started up as like squats and yeah. like and then the residents were like, no, we're not having them. So there's zero clubs in Prenzlauerberg. Whereas if you go to Kreuzberg or Friedrichshain or yeah. Reading or any of those other places, there's clubs there because then they became protect, protected. They were part of the culture, yeah, part yeah. of society. Um, whereas they weren't when when this so there's like zero clubs here which is great suits me really well it's perfect (laughs) if you live there you don't want a club on your doorstep do you no one wants that we used to live right next to Burkine, and uh, that may or may not have been the year that i went there every weekend (laughs) (laughs) like shall we just pop there and like see whether they let us in and invariably they always let us in and i went from like going there dressed like quite normally like this like i'd go out and evening to having like my Burkine wardrobe (laughs) Like harnesses and uh, little dresses <laughs> and like um, bras of just like X's over my boobs and like just properly dressing up in there. Did you make Neil wear like, a harness as well? No, he just always went topless, always. Really? And, yeah, you've met Neil. Like Neil gets, everybody tries it on with Neil. Like every gay guy yeah. tries it with Neil. Like, and he used to, 
he used to be at the bar like chatting to these guys and we're like, he's like I've just been bought like four different drinks I'm like you need to walk away from this situation <laughs> I was like this isn't okay and he I was like if someone offers you a drink in Burkhine, don't accept it unless you're going to go to the toilet with them. You know, let them <laughs> head into the dark rooms. And he's like, yeah, but they just keep buying me drinks. I'm like, no. And like, people just walk up to him on the dance floor and like, give him a hug. And he's like, and he's so huggy and lovely. And like, he was just like, yeah, we're hanging out. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll come with you. Where should we go? And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> and I'll be like, hi, I'm his fiance. You can see their face just be like, huh, oh, damn. Well, that's a waste of time. Okay. <laughs> I love it. It's like literally the tables are turned. Like every other club is like guys trying to hit on girls, right? And and this is the one place. Well, not the only place, but the very much so. Yeah, very much. I love that. I, I think that's the... let's let's end it on Neil getting hit on in Bergheim. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great vision. The things that I've seen in that club, honestly. Oh yeah, I bet. Like eye watering stuff. I'm like. Oof, mate rather you than me for sure like serious stuff like when, but when it started to become normal that's when I was like this is time to start walking time away to leave. when like, I um, when I was in Berlin when I saw you in Berlin last actually we went out yeah. with Terry from Beatport and he was telling us about some nights in other like outside of Berghain and he was yeah. talking about a night called Fist Fridays and I was yeah. like yeah that's it's going to be an interesting yeah. night. Is, is this, I think this is the one that's in the lab and like yeah. people just like get out of like a blanket yeah. and like lay it out. And they're like, hey, this is all my apparatus um, and this is all my lube. Would you like to be fisted? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, wow, wow, wow. Guys wow. have uh, like, <laughs> this is this is what guys are like, right? There's just no filter. And when you no. put two guys together that are both attracted to each other, it's just like, game on do what the fuck you yeah want. yeah yeah i mean they all always look like they're having fun so you know if you're having fun you're having fun i actually did go in the dark rooms once with my friend like we we were like let's hold hands and go in here and we walked in and like literally everyone just grabs you and i was just like oh, oh my god oh my god oh my god and we we're in there about 20 seconds and we just walked out again and i was like okay experience but never again never again never again but there are stories of people getting pregnant from like things they got up to in the dark oh. room they don't know yeah which is like <gasps> yeah that's dark yeah right. dark. let's wrap anyway. this motherfucker up thank you so much yeah. it's been like amazing to talk i've loved it oh thank you so i've much. had such a nice chat with you it's been, it's been so nice to talk properly as I well it's been just like, wah, 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 wah. yeah but yeah thank you so much for inviting me in here. see you soon how can people how can people follow you uh do and do all of that as well yeah i am joanna barber on instagram um that's it really and then you can sign up to my newsletter if you want to join the zero experiments or you can just follow me for all my sober chat i mean it's wonderful it's very inspiring though I promise. it is joe keep safe thank you so much yeah, love you mate you. thank you bye and it's a wrap i love that conversation it was amazing i uh, hope you did please go share it subscribe do all of the the usual bits um keep safe have a great week see you next time it's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.